Welcome to New Money. I'm Brian Hirsch this evening. We're focusing once again on the financial planning institution. Both investment and risk planning drive financial planning. Too often we have a tendency to put investment planning and risk planning into separate compartments. The last quarter has been quite disturbing for investors. Not only have they seen markets fall, but with the RAND strengthening, the top RAND hedge shares, which make up many of the unit trusts, have taken an absolute bath. Risk planning is all about protecting you from long-term market downturns, whilst investment planning is about protecting and growing your wealth. And joining me this evening is Brendan Grace, Wealth Manager of Anchor Capital and Daryl Benefit from Sassman. Guys, good to have you back here. Not easy times at the moment this last quarter. You know, we had all that euphoria, December, January, the new government, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa taking over. We saw the American markets run up, not making our life in financial planning easy, although if you've got a strategy in place, and your strategy normally is long-term, but not easy, Daryl. No, not easy at all. Now they're the trade wars, that's uh, the current news with the Chinese and the Americans. But as you say, Brian, once a strategy is in place, and importantly, is the time horizon associated with the strategy, that it's up to the advisor to remind the client to go back to what they implemented in the beginning and just to not listen to all the noise. No, it's to, it's to actually understand that strategy. And people have short-term memories, you know. Somehow they look at bottom line numbers. And it makes financial planning quite difficult because it's not just about estate tax and retirement. It's also the investment part of that financial plan. And that's the part that's taking strain at the moment. Yeah, I mean, don't forget, it's, you know, it, the, the returns have been under pressure for three years on the local market. So it has been, you know, the, sort of the short term is becoming the medium term. And now the people are, are, there is a degree of uns, uncertainty for people. So uh, I think it's one of those that if you go back, um, and my advice is really just go back and review where you are now. You know, there's a new start date. There's a new, you've just got to, you know, your asset base is what it is currently review your plans and see what the cash flows and everything like that for if you're in retirement what does that mean if you're still saving for retirement and putting a plan together you've got to tweak the numbers but those can change quickly but just go back take a deep breath and and restart and just look at your plan again and make sure you rebase it and and you'll be okay i think that's what people forget even though five years you may have said i've had a five-year strategy that doesn't mean now that strategy is at an end and the five years up you've got to relook on a regular basis what is your strategy are you looking for income are you looking for growth and then or you're looking for both and then determine how your portfolio sits in terms of that strategy but brendan last year 2016, even 2015, South Africans, in terms of their overall strategy, was to have offshore investments. And people forget that it wasn't just about the RAND, it was because of the opportunities that exist in investing in companies you just can't find in South Africa. I mean, you think about technology, maybe NASPERS and their interest in Tencent. Globally, you've got all the, the Facebook, the, the, the Amazon, the Apples, the Googles, all those type of things. And, but there's a reluctance for individuals now to take money offshore. Mm. And the, the RAND is uh, 20% lower than when people were sometimes taking it 14, 50, even some at 15 Rand to the dollar. Yeah, I think, you know, last year certainly there was a very significant negative political sentiment and there was nervousness and so you know it drove a certain behavior once we got through december those nerves were were largely calmed so people then sit there and say okay it's going to be all right i'm here let me you know everything should turn out okay so the, the sentiment does does come into it 
coming to it. You are correct in terms of diversification, going offshore, sending money offshore into a larger universe of shares remains a great option. Um, and the performances offshore have been very good. But even locally, there are a few tactics, and maybe we can refer to them just now, but we're looking for some of those opportunities and eking out a little bit of a return here and there, using some of the tax breaks that are available. Um, looking at your cost structures again, you know, shopping around, etc., can help get you one or two extra percent in the short term. So being prudent will help you. We've also got to realise, Daryl, with inflation trading r- running around the four, four and a half percent, that it's not unreasonable to get eight or nine percent. I mean, we've been used to double-digit returns, but then we've had inflation sitting at anything between six and seven percent, even higher than that. So that's also a shift in mindset. But you know, globally, if, if you could get three or four percent. Compared to inflation at one percent, I mean, you've got to think about those aspects. You've got to get a different mindset in terms of in terms of expectation. Well, absolutely, and one's got to be careful not to use the the, the statistical or the government CPI of say it's below five percent at the moment. But one's got to look at the individual uh, inflation rate, and you know, with medical inflation, it could be as high as eight or nine percent a year with food inflation. So I, I don't know why they differentiate with equity as an asset class between local and offshore. You know, we've got a view that you want to invest in the best companies in the world. And on the local bourse, you've got the NASPAS that's making up a large component of the JSE. And the best companies in the world aren't necessarily in South Africa. It's got nothing to do with the political landscape or the strength or weakness of the RAND. They just happen to be globally um, or in America or in Europe. And that's where one's money should be. Well, we're going to take a break. You can call me on 011-483-1518. Put some questions to me in the panel. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to New Money this evening. We're discussing financial planning. My guests, Brendan Gase and Daryl Bennett. And if you'd like to call us, 011-483-1518. You can also email me on brian at pdtv.ca.za. Brendan, in the, in the first segment of our program, we're talking about eking out slightly different returns, looking elsewhere. Do I just share that with us? So, I mean, for example, in your planning um, for retirement or, or as you trying to acquire assets. There are a number of those tax breaks that you can look at and you know with I mean the last few years we've certainly had tax hikes and enough tax hikes but your retirement annuity is one place that you can your contributions to that um, along with your pension and provident funded your work trying to get as much of a tax break as possible using things like your because tax your tax premium. break really is there's no dividends tax there's no CGT and there's no tax on on any yeah. in- interest I- income or no even REIT. Yeah, and, and no yeah. state duty. So, I mean, you, if you just take like a, a portfolio with dividends, and if it's yielding three percent, and you're avoiding that dividends tax, which is twenty percent on that, you know, you're getting a 06 percent enhancement to your return in that investment. That's small, but in, in a low inflation environment, a low return environment, you add up a few point sixes here and there, and suddenly you you're back on track for with a real r- real return of gro- uh, growth rate. Uh, your other one um, is your, I mean, their tax-free savings account. 
account, which is a wonderful mechanism for people to, to save up and uh, get savings going, even for children and grandchildren and things like that. Um, yeah, so there are, there are a number of mechanisms, your annual exemptions, your interest exemptions, your CGT exemptions, those are very significant. Use them, uh, plan accordingly, uh, and, and you can get, you can really get a lot, you know, do quite well with it. So strongly encourage people, you know, just be, you know, yeah, tough times, like, you know, if you don't have enough, you know, you're battling to make ends meet, you've got to sit down and, and work out your budget, you cut something. Daryl, you've got a view on retirement, and particularly for those over 55. Let me just take my first call of the evening, we'll come back to your question now. Judy, good evening, go ahead with your question, please. Um, hello, Brian. Could you tell me how essential is it to have an emergency fund? Daryl, emergency fund, very important. Huh? Very important. I think, I think uh, it's, important to, it's important to have a medical aid, you know, when you're talking about risk. So I say to my clients, you know, I take a piece of cotton wool and I wrap you up in a titanium belt and strap you tight so if anything happens to you, you're protected. So one needs life insurance, medical aid and an emergency fund. Gap cover, it's very important. Yeah. And, and Daryl, uh, people talk about how much, somewhere in, somewhere in the order maybe three to six months, because so many things are happening globally and, and things are, you know, and costs are rising. So I think it's important. Although you can draw on endowment policies, you can draw on unit trusts, but unfortunately what happens is when times are bad, it's, a ref it's reflected in asset classes. Correct. I mean, at the moment, times are tough. You've seen property prices come down, property shares. You've seen equities come down. So, it, but it, you can, it, it, a retirement unit you can't draw on unless you retire. Correct. But, in, but all those other investments, you can. The endowment you can, or in a, in a, in a call account, as long as it's liquid and, it's, and you've got access to it within 24 hours. Yeah. Daryl, so let's just talk about your view, because we, we've been talking about Regulation 28, which governs what you can invest in through your, your, your retirement funds, whether it be pension, provident or retirement. So the and there are a lot of restrictions there. Yes, so the Regulation 28 govern, is governed by the Pension Fund Act that, as you say, covers the retirement annuity and pension preservation funds and provident funds. And basically, it, it restricts um, the asset allocation within the fund. So you can have so much in equity, bonds, property, and cash. However, once you commute that retirement annuity or the pension fund with, into a living annuity, then the Reg 28 or Regulation 28 falls away and one can go more into equity exposure and more offshore. In the Reg 28, you can only go 25, I think they're up to 30%. 30 but in, in, a, in an annuity, you can go up to 100% offshore. Uh, Lillian in Sandown says, when planning for retirement, what are some of the things that I need to be aware of? Well, inflation. Yep. Got to understand inflation. Yeah. Medical costs. Medical costs. Yep. Yep. And, and I always say at retirement, yep. three components. Have a home paid for, no debt, and have a good health care program. But there are a lot of other things you need to be aware of. Because I mean, the, really, the, the first two questions are what, quantity of income producing capital do you have? So the, the basket of assets, whether it's rental properties or you know anything that's producing an income uh, or has, has the potential, so any investments, interest, money in the bank, whatever it might be, gather all those assets. Um, and then um, the, 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 what you require as an, as an income in retirement. Now it's very difficult for people to start budgeting for retirement because you know you can plan 
you can have your monthly expenses, but it's those ad hocs. You know, every five years a motor vehicle might need to be replaced. Every uh, year you may need to go and travel and visit children now residing in all parts of the world. Uh, at budgeting can be very difficult, but if you can get those those two, start start off getting know what your assets are, your basket of assets, and know what your income is, and then you can start getting a feel for whether your drawdown, how much you're drawing from your capital each month is appropriate. And just to add to Lillian, I mean, I mentioned the word inflation. You know, we talk about low rates of inflation at the moment because people who've got debt, that debt cost hasn't gone up, whereas their living expenses, let's say half their money is going on debt and half on living expenses. Overall, inflation's low, but in, in, but in retirement, inflation's a lot higher. Then you don't know about longevity. So, to, because people are living that much longer. So to counteract that, you've got to take some risk. I mean, I think the worst of all is behavior. People come to me with money to invest, and then they come a year later, they've lent their children 300,000, they bought a new car for 400,000, they've done some alterations, and all of a sudden, that capital that was earmarked to provide them with an income for the rest of their lives is now reducing, when actually that capital has been going up. Daryl, you've got some comments. Yeah, and also one's got to be careful of holding cash. There's a, there could be a false sense of security with getting a low interest rate on the cash where the client is thinking that the balance is accruing each year. But in fact, their inflation could be eating into the return and it c they could be getting a negative return or a yeah. negative real return. Yeah, because in retirement, it's not the end of your planning. Retirement really is the start of your retirement planning, Correct. which could be 25, 30 years. Exactly. I mean, people are just living that much longer. And another thing that's important is the will, to, to make sure that one's got a valid will and it's been updated and it's, uh, it's, it's been signed and all the, all the T's have been crossed and the I's have been dotted. I, I think you've probably seen Mary in Blumpany's email says, when do I need to up my my, update my will and do I need separate will for my offshore assets? Just hold on to that because we've got Mary on the line. Mary, good evening. Go ahead with the question, please. Um, Brian, it's uh, Eric. Can you? Oh, hear me? sorry, Eric. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to know about uh, policies and and if my policy is ceded to the bank, and if I increase my cover and it's more than what I owe the bank, what happens with the money? Okay. Well. You know, I always say it's very difficult because if you've got, you, let's say you've got a policy for seven million, you owe the bank four million, you cede the policy to the bank, you've then got quite a lot of is on, on debt. Your family's got quite a lot of administration to do because the payments they're not. Oh, the insurance company's going to split the payment. No. They're going to pay to the bank, and then you've got to get that money back from the bank, and it will paying off the debt. So I, I prefer rather than to up your policy, just to have two separate policies, exactly. one covering the debt and one providing for your family. Correct. Friend, any mm. comments there? No, I agree with that. I think, you know, if you can compartmentalize your cover uh, to cover, you know, certain aspects of your life, if you look at it, uh, take your bond, even ob personal obligations, you know, for example, when you ha don't have a lot of assets and you've got chil young children, you know, the education costs and that type of thing, it'd be quite clever to work out and sort of think, okay, this child is gonna cost me, you know, if I'm not here to fund it, maybe it's a million rand, two million, whatever the number might be, get specific insurance for that type of thing. So again, the planning, and then you'll, be a, you'll have an appropriate level of cover because you know, life insurance is a grudge purchase. It's a use it or lose it. If you don't die, you, know, you, don't, you don't get much benefit for, for paying for insurance. So Compartmentalize, I've got debt, cover my debt. Yes. I've got education, you can even buy certain policies today Correct, yeah. that provide uh, education for children. Yeah. But cover your education and then you've got to do the calculation yeah. of how much your family will need. But going back to Eric's comment, it's important that the client or Eric reviews his, his policy each year. 
and brings the, the cover in line with what his outstanding bond is. Another good option to do with the life cover is put a, uh, an option to buy cover in the future in case one becomes uninsurable and one needs to up the cover and they can't get it because they've got a little bit older. I think that's important. People don't realize there's not money that buys insurance. It's your good health. Correct. We're going to take a break. You can still call us on 011-483-1518. I will get back to Mary's email about the will, both local and offshore. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Newman this evening. We're discussing financial planning. Our guests are Brendan Gase and Daryl Bennett. I just want to go back to Mary's email. It says, when do I need to update my will and do I need a separate will for my offshore assets? You commented how important that will is, the cornerstone of your financial plan. Absolutely. Or what we call in the bingo card, the free, the free space with your financial planning all around that will. I think if there's a major change in one's life, a birth of a child, a divorce, uh, uh, that's when a will should be updated. If there's a change in legislation, there has just been a change in legislation on the estate duty on assets above 30 million rand. One should once again look at the will, make sure they're using the abatement correctly. As far as the offshore will is concerned, if, if one has property offshore, they should have a will in that jurisdiction. If they've got equities, if you've got it in an endowment wrapper, you don't need a will. So you Because you can appoint a beneficiary. you can appoint a beneficiary, and then it's a lot more simple, and it will be easier to dispose in the event of somebody dying. Brendan, your, your legal background, I mean, those are, are those days you've forgotten and <laughs> happy to be out of that side of the, of the world. Although at this point in time, I think I'd rather be a lawyer than an investment yeah, advisor. Yeah, they seem to be <laughs> cocking up uh, <laughs> bulls. No, they, uh, the, I mean, uh, things around the, the wills, I mean, they, they, it, it is an extremely important document. Uh, the processing of a deceased estate does take a heck of a lot, lot longer than it used to in the past. And uh, so, you know, the choice of executors to, to, to do the work for you are is, is very important. And, you know, shop around. I mean, the fees associated with your wills, etc., are also important. Dealing with the offshore assets, um, it's a it's a bit strange because you know there very a lot of conflicting information around what, what, which is the right way to to go about it. I think if you, I mean, technically a will if South Africa has a residence based um, sort of taxation arrangement dealing you know your will here, if you refer to overseas assets should be, you know is applicable. It just may be a bit more tedious to to get it processed through. Uh, you know, if you have to sort of use attorneys in other countries and that. Um, but again, please always just seek advice, have a chat to your attorney, and, and, and but have that thing in place because if you don't have a will, you really will leave your family in a lot of difficulty. And Daryl, if you've got a will here and a will offshore, make sure that your wills tie up with each other. Don't Correct. have one will that says, I leave all my assets and this is my last will. No, they've got to be congruent You've with each other. And also, it, it's a myth that everybody's got a will. You've either got a will, you die intestate, so you've got the government will, and I think that's what Brendan's referring to, that you want to avoid. You want to have a will that you've drafted yourself, and if one is married, appoint one spouse as the executor, so they're in control, they can negotiate the executor fee with an attorney. 
And just remember, where there's a will, there's a way, but where there's a will, there's a there's relative. A relative. <laughs> yeah. Email from Sandra in Cape Town says, with the latest proposal on the budgets to allow retirement funds and other investment houses to now invest 30% offshore, is this a good thing? Yes, I think so. I, th I think, I mean, it's... Are they taking advantage of that as of yet? I mean, they've now got that, 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 in that increase now come, coming through. Uh, but you think they have actually started to, to shift funds offshore at this um, stronger end level? Yeah, they, I mean, they, you know, there's one or two investment houses that have sort of had to close their Rand Hedge offerings because of, you know, the flows that were, were occurring. So I think the extra capacity will certainly be, be picked up and taken up by, by the institutions. And I think, you know, with, with our local market, uh, stock market, in particular the investable universe um, and the listed equity space being, a little, you know, it's, it's shrunk. It's, it's a lot smaller than it was 10 years ago. And, you know, overseas there are so many more options. So I think it's just a natural progression. Uh, our, our ability to move monies around the, the, the world now even better than they've ever been. I mean, you can move currency. You, you've got quite liberal exchange control, you know, limits. So, you, yeah, you're absolutely free to, to move a lot, lot of assets around. Terrell, you like this one. Jack in Randburg says, how do I know if I have too much or too little life cover? Well, I don't think there's ever been a widow that's complained that there's been too much life cover. Um, it, once again, do an assessment each year. It's all based on what your asset base is, what, what your balance of your, of your assets are, and what your one's expenses are. Um, and, and if one assesses it each year, it's kind of like a pendulum or, or, or a scale. So as one's assets is growing, so one's life cover should be coming down as one's getting older. Well, it's, sometimes it's a bit hard to do that because you've been paying all these years and as Brendan says, you know, your life policies only pay on death and you, many people, you know, I have a lot of people who are saying I never took life cover and I'm still alive at 80, look how right I was. Yeah, I can give as many stories how wrong you were not to have life well, cover. You could look at it as a post-dated check as well. Bertrand <laughs> <laughs> Durbin says, with inflation falling and interest rates staying high, does it make sense to take on additional risk by investing in equities? It depends on each person's circumstances. It depends on their risk appetite. It depends on their time horizon and uh, a whole host of things. It's not one size fits all. But as we were saying earlier, one's got to look at as equity, as an asset class, and look at a global view and look to invest in the best companies wherever that might be in the world. Yeah, I mean, we talk about high interest rates, we talk about lower market returns. But if you take a long-term time horizon, five, ten years, I mean, as good as things are at the moment in terms of high interest rates, ultimately, I mean, equities are about people running businesses yeah. and people and those peop people wanting to grow their businesses. So you're investing in individuals in the, as long as they're in the right industry. I mean, you talk about technology and healthcare and, and all, all the things that go with that, robotics. And I mean, that's where you want to be. That's the future, the next five to 10 years, even longer. Can you imagine where we come from? over the last 15 years to where we are today. Yeah. Also, just remember with, with um, interest rates or cash in the bank or fixed deposits or whatever it is, that is your pre-tax yield. And tax can bring that way down. You know, if you go along and you put a 45% yeah, tax 40, rate on... 45% interest on 7% brings you down <laughs> virtually to about 4%. Yeah, and so. you're talking about getting dividend returns of maybe 25 to 3%. So look at the strategy first and then the tax yeah. afterwards. Yeah. 
Stuart in Jansburg says, what is the impact of increasing my endowment policies? Is it a good idea? And can I increase as much as I like? Well, I don't think you can. I think you're limited well, to 20%. Well, you've got the five-year rule, so you can't put more than 20% of contributions each year. On your year start of contributions. your start of contributions. But more importantly, now going back uh, to the tax. Carol, just one thing. Endowment policies have an escalator. So let's assume you started on 1,000 Rand, and last year you had a 10% increase, so it's 1,100 Rand. Can you put that 20% on the t current premium, or is it on that starting premium? Do you know? I'm not sure. Well, it's the premiums after the first year. So whatever you've, contribution, whatever you've contributed in the first year, you can add on those contributions plus 20%. There's not automatically uh, a contribution increase on the endowment. It depends how it's set up. Also, you're referring to a recurring premium or a lump sum premium. But more importantly, as far as the tax is concerned, the endowments are taxed at 30% uh, interest and income and capital gains tax effectively at 12%. So one's got to look at their personal tax rate. If their tax rate is higher than that, then the endowment is good to use. But if their tax rate is lower, then they don't need the endowment. Brendan, any comment you'd like to make? Yeah. No, and that's, you know, the further to that decision is many people go into endowments, then they retire. So they were at a higher income level at 45, then they retire, their tax rates drop way down. So an endowment can lose its effectiveness. So it can be very effective at certain parts of your life and it can be very ineffective at other stages. Well, there's a vast difference between trading, savings and investment. Trading is speculative. Some will get it right, but the vast majority will end up losing money. Saving is for money you'll be spending in the next one to three years, and with these monies you want certainty and security. And investing is about creating relative wealth well into the future, and one must expect short-term fluctuations in value. The role of a financial plan is to help individuals ring fence these different strategies. Often, your plan has to change their role to being your financial psychologist. This is to avoid one being swayed by the emotional mindset to the concept of fear of not losing money. Daryl Brendan, thank you for joining me this evening. Thank you. It's well. important to note our program is to provide information and should not be construed as vast. Our next program on the 9th of April will focus on short-term insurance. And if you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. Thank you for watching and good night.